Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It appears Michigan State has our number this year, at least so far. We might get another crack at them Sunday in Chicago, and that's a big maybe. Joining us in just a minute to talk about a busy Michigan sports scene is one of our favorite guests, John Borton, the editor of our Michigan Bible, The Wolverine. First, a few of my thoughts to get us rolling today. I loved our first half on Saturday at the Breslin and was hoping we would duplicate that effort in the final 20 minutes. Instead, we saw what we have so often this year, a long scoring drought in the second half. I could just feel that game slipping away in those last 12 minutes. We scored three points during that span, and you can't beat many teams or win Big Ten championships when you do that. It stings even more that once again, it happened against Sparty and on the road at the Breslin. Like Coach B said after the game, we imploded. It's as simple as that. We played in some very hostile environments this year and never let it bother us. But we seemed to lose our composure in the madness at the Breslin on Saturday night. So at least for a few days, we can lick our wounds and get ready for what we hope is a three-game run over the weekend in Chicago. And maybe another crack at Michigan State, which would be sweet, and maybe on a neutral court things will be different. We shall see. My guest today says even though Saturday's loss was disappointing, it's been another great year of Michigan basketball, and it ain't over. Editor John Borton from the Wolverines joins us next here on The Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week is John Borton, editor at The Wolverine. Great to have you back with us, John. That's good to be with you, Mike. Uh, always good to talk Michigan athletics and uh, lots of uh, lots of good things going on right now. Oh, yes. Uh, as we say in March, it's just uh, probably the busiest time of the year on the athletic scene. And looking back at the weekend, John, uh, you know, we all saw Saturday night at the Breslin Center. Michigan had a great first half. Very solid, but in the second half, you could just feel it slipping away, couldn't you? Yeah, no doubt about it. And it was a lot like what we saw at Chrysler. Uh, it, it just came to the point where Michigan had controlled the game to a certain extent through that entire first half, build up a 12-point lead. and uh, But as the attrition from the lineup continued and as Michigan State kept fighting back, it just uh, that that place is uh, in my mind the toughest place for Michigan to play, the Breslin Center, just mm-hmm. because of the uh, the loudness, the intensity, and everything else that goes with it. And it was just ready to to blow. And when things started to go Michigan State's way, then it absolutely did, and that added to it. I mean, uh, John Beeline said afterwards that they played in a lot of loud places this year but they hadn't lost their poise but they he felt it like they did in that situation and you could just sort of feel it happen well all year we could count on this team bringing it on the defensive end but the extended offensive droughts is something we also uh, were able to count on 
through most of the season. It again happened on Saturday night. It is very hard to explain why that can't be fixed, isn't it, John? Well, it is, and and yet there are certainly things that you can point to. Uh, John Beeline said after the game, and I think this is is very accurate. Uh, they didn't. They stopped playing defense to the extent that they were early. That was one of the things that was opening up the offense. I remember an early breakaway uh, layup by Jordan Poole that came off a steal. There were two turnovers by Michigan State in the first two possessions. Uh, Iggy Brasdakis hitting threes that uh, were in part set up by Michigan being able to run the court. They stopped being able to do that because Michigan State was attacking and Michigan wasn't defending as well. So I think those two things actually go hand in hand. But absolutely, you had uh, Brasdakis in a situation where he wasn't getting a whole lot of help on the offensive end. A little bit from Poole, uh, but Michigan wasn't scoring with John Teske, with Xavier Simpson. Uh, they weren't effective on the pick and roll. They weren't finding people. Uh, and so, yeah, when you're when you're locked into a half-court situation and you're not playing very well out of it, that's a really bad thing. I mean, Michigan went from the 12-minute mark of that game down to about the 3-12 mark, I believe it was, scoring three points, and you're not going to win that way. At the end of a, a game where you've got a Big Ten championship on the line. Well, and I guess you have to give the, the Spartans their due, especially Cassius Winston. He was just incredible, wasn't he, John? Again. Yeah, he played really well. I mean, now they had him contained largely in the first half, but part of that was his own foul trouble that kept him on the bench. But uh, when he was in there, they were playing pretty good defense on him. They just need to be able to sustain that. I mean, he's a great player, and they're going to find ways to shake him free some, but to the extent that they did, Michigan just wasn't able to uh, hold back the, the dam, as it were. No one expected this team to be 26-5. and I didn't. And in the Big Ten race until the last day of the regular season, it has been just another fun year to watch this team, hasn't it? Oh, it's an incredibly fun year. I mean, you're seeing sellouts at Chrysler week after week. It was just an amazing year there. They lost one game at home. It was just the wrong one. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote after the game that Michigan really did not lose the Big Ten championship at the Breslin. Yes, in a sense they did, but I think it kind of slipped away from them first at Penn State when they had a chance to uh, win a game against a, a team that really hasn't, uh, you know, won a, it's won a half a dozen Big Ten games. And then to get the Spartans in their own building with their own noise and crowd. But you're, to your point, it absolutely has been an incredible year to watch Michigan basketball. And it's so far from over. One of the uh, Michigan fans said to me after the game uh, over this result from Saturday, well, there's always next year. And I looked at him and I said, well, there's always next week. Because these two teams could very well square off again in the uh, the Big Ten Tournament Championship game. Yeah, it's it's far from over. I mean, we have the Big Ten Tournament. We know what's after that. But when, when you, we take a, a minute to take a breath and look at what we've seen in the last 31 games, some really interesting things have happened this year. We didn't expect, John, uh, a couple of players, several players emerging as pleasant surprises. The first of those was John Teske. I thought it was interesting, uh, Dan Dockage said on Saturday night, 
Uh, Big John was the most improved player in the Big Ten, and it's hard to argue with that, isn't it? Uh, some will take it past that and say the most improved in the country. John Teske has been a revelation this year in how far he's come, and we've heard uh, coach after coach talk about that, where Teske was two years ago and you know the expectations that uh, he might have as you, know, you get labeled that project player. But uh, the way he has grown up physically, the way he has uh, been able to really be a, an incredible impact player on the defensive end of the court and learn to score. Uh, it's, uh, it's given Michigan an, a, a, a huge boost this season. There's, there's no doubt about that. I think he has, um, even in games when he doesn't score a lot, he has been a presence and, uh, that has given Michigan that constant. It has played such good defense for most of the year, and Teske's been right at the heart of that. Well, the other pleasant surprise to me was just how ready uh, Iggy Brozdakis was when he got here. You get the feeling the best is yet to come from him, John. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, I call him Lithuania's Jalen Rose <laughs> just because of his attitude. I mean, here's a kid that has that Jalen level of swagger. Uh, he's not gonna. He's not gonna worry about. Uh, Maryland fans uh, shouting uh, uh, things at him or any other crowd for that matter. He's not going to worry about road environments. You look at the way he played in these last couple of games, huge, huge road games at Maryland, at Michigan State. Uh, I mean, he, he did everything you could ask of a freshman in those situations. He is an older freshman, as you know, and He's got a, a maturity combined with a brashness that uh, and a skill set that just makes him really, really good. And it's uh, very much factored in as a part to Michigan's 17-0 and start this year. When you're able to come out plugging a new player like that into the lineup, usually there are some major adjustments that need to take place. But, boy, he just he was clicking from the start. And so were the Wolverines. Well, next up is the Big Ten tourney in Chicago. It gets underway on Wednesday. Michigan will be in quarterfinal action on Friday. It looks like the late game now after uh, after sometime after 9 p.m. You look at these brackets, it's just going to be one knockdown, drag out, four and five days, isn't it, John? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we expect to, to roll in on Friday after uh, some of these early rounds. And as I look it over, I think you, you start to project, okay, you know, Michigan State is up in the top half of that bracket. And as the number one seed, you expect them to make their way to the finals, but they're going to have their hands full. They could, depending on the uh, outcome of the Indiana-Ohio State game, be facing an Indiana team in their first, uh, in Michigan State's first game. And that's an Indiana team that's beat them twice this year, yeah. which is crazy. And uh, there could be a Maryland or a Wisconsin to, to take, them on if in fact they they find a way in that third game to get by indiana you've got michigan and purdue the number three and two seeds in the the bottom half of the bracket i think uh that bracket might be a little bit more friendly but uh, you've got an illinois team uh, that has started out just horribly but was one of the better michigan uh, one of the better big 10 teams 
in the back half of the season. Iowa can rise up and, and bite you, but I fully expect to see Michigan-Purdue uh, round two in that semifinal game, and then we'll see what happens. But I, I think, uh, I guarantee you that Michigan would love another crack at the Spartans in that tournament championship game on Sunday, and I think uh, really everybody would love to see that. What would also be interesting is if uh, Charles Matthews is ready to go. I know he said he was almost there but not quite. So I, I don't know if he'll be a game-time decision or not, John, but they could use him back. Yeah, I would think they'd get him back by Friday if he was you know, as close as it sounded like with the, um, the Michigan State game. That's almost another week to, uh, to heal and take treatment and, uh, and get better. So you would certainly think that uh, he'd be back in the lineup. It makes a difference. It just does because this – one of the – things that we've talked about all year about Michigan's basketball team is its depth or lack thereof. And it went through most of the season with a lineup very much intact. And you take Charles Matthews out of it. You saw in the uh, early going against Michigan state, Brazdakis and Isaiah livers get into foul trouble. And all of a sudden you've got your best three forwards on the bench. That's tough, especially for a team that, um, like I said, it doesn't have all the depth in the world to get Charles Matthews back for this tournament would make a huge, huge difference. Do you think Michigan needs a run in the Big Ten tournament, a run to the semis or the or the championship game to, to maybe keep a number two seed? Yeah, I think that's probably the case. But, um, you know, one, two, three, uh, once you get to the NCAA tournament, you really have to... Uh, just see where you're put, and, and you have to win. I mean, it. I, I think the seeding in the top three. I, I guess it's uh, there's a, a prestige to it, but uh, every year we see number one seeds get knocked out, <laughs> or almost every year. So, I, to me, I, I don't look at seeding all that much, but I, I would think you would be right that uh, Michigan has. Know, lost a little bit here at the end, and, and people are saying there's no chance they're a one. Two would be, you know, be nice to uh, to attain and to do that. You know, make it to Sunday. Well, we'll see. the uh, The Big Ten tournament, of course, uh, gets underway on Wednesday. It's going to be an exciting week of, of um, Big Ten basketball. A lot of other things uh, going on in the athletic scene right now. I wanted to touch on a few of them. John, Coach Kim Barnes, Rico, and her team lost a one point heartbreaker on Saturday to number 8 Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. They are playing some very, very good basketball right now, John. Yes, they are. And it was a real shame that uh, they dropped that game uh, on uh, the same uh, leading up to the the, uh, the other game on Saturday night. And I sat there and watched it as uh, I was getting ready for uh, Michigan's men's game in the, in the Breslin. And it, it was... It came right down to the wire, Michigan with the lead in the final minute. I, I thought that uh, the call uh, that set Maryland up for the game-winning free throws was an exceedingly weak one mm-hmm. uh, and kind of a makeup call for uh, for uh, Maryland having had a bucket taken away, but it was, I mean, it was their own fault, their coach calling a timeout, and, uh, and the uh, Officials granted it, but it took a took a bucket off the board, 
subsequent to that, you had the uh, the call that was made, and you know I think it was uh, a little bit shaky that uh, that Michigan got that got that game taken away in the uh, down the stretch in the Big Ten tournament. But uh, yes, it's uh, they've they've had a, a very strong year and, and a and a great. Uh, Great effort all year long by Coach Barnes Rico. And I would think they are a lock for the NCAA, the women's NCAA. But I, I tell you, you get thrown every year when the, the ladies' seeds are announced. It seems like some teams are in that you say, how did they get in? And, uh, and Michigan's had this happen a couple of years ago. They didn't get in. So I'm really not sure if they are considered a lock or not, John. Yeah, exactly. I don't... Uh, I don't there are no bets being placed, not only because, uh, you know, we don't do that sort of thing, but uh, it, I've seen the same thing you have. And I think that has to worry um, Michigan fans a little bit, probably uh, those in the locker rooms at, uh, at Chrysler Center. But you certainly have to think that finishing as high in the Big Ten as Michigan did the fact that uh, they had a very good showing in the Big Ten tourney, they could just as easily be playing in that final game. And, you know, just, just overall very strong. 21 wins, fourth in the Big Ten. They've been a solid team all year and, and really deserve to be in the NCAAs. Well, hockey season ended with uh, somewhat of a thud over the weekend in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. They were playing up in uh, Minnesota. Very disappointing year for Coach Pearson and the guys, wasn't it, John? I don't think we saw this coming. No, nobody did. I mean, you're talking about a, a league championship uh, in the first uh, year, and you, you're talking about uh, making it well into the NCAA's, and and uh, to have it turn around and, and be a, a sub 500 year. No, exactly right. Nobody saw it coming. I think that's a a, a big disappointment to uh, everybody involved. And it gives, you know, the sort of wake up call that, okay, we got to, uh, we got to turn this thing right back around and, uh, you know, flip flop it next year. But yeah, it was, uh, a shocker of a year in some ways that, uh, it, it turned out as poorly as it did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't have a, a great explanation as to why. I don't think Coach Pearson does either. And then uh, I'm sure when he woke up yesterday and saw that, uh, and I'm sure he knew, Quinn Hughes was uh, signing his contract and he's going to uh, the Vancouver Canucks. So he uh, is a sophomore, great young defenseman. It really was a young team, though, this year. It was, it was. But uh, I think, you know, uh, uh, Mel Pearson has worked with uh, with younger rosters before and uh, and done very well with them. Uh, whatever the reason, this group needed a little more time to mesh, and you have to hope that that's exactly what will happen in the off-season workouts and everything they put into next year because um, you know it's a it's a head scratcher. Also on the athletic scene, softball, uh, they got off to somewhat of a shaky start. You know, twelve and ten, very very tough schedule, but they always play a tough schedule the first couple of weeks of the season. Fans are a little bit worried, uh, but with Coach Hutchins, you have to say, don't worry, the bats will come around, we're going to be okay. Well, yes, I, I would agree, but uh, we, we tend to say that more 
about some other spring sports than about softball. That's you know that's what happens when you spoil people. Mm-hmm. Twelve and ten, they're they're a little more used to uh, say twenty and two at about this point. Um, so they've played extremely good competition, as you've noted, the Arizonas and the Floridas out there and North Carolina. Um, just a just a loaded loaded schedule and. Uh, but you got to score runs. You, you've got to uh, pitching is is so much in this game, but you cannot be uh, underproducing at the plate because you have to be able to pull out those uh, three to two games and the and the the low scoring ones. And you know they they got out of the gate a little bit tough this year. You know they score one against Arizona in a loss and they get shut out by Florida. And, uh, I know this much is that, uh, Carol Hutchins is, uh, such a great coach, uh, legendary, obviously that she will be, um, working every day to get this team turned around, not turned around, but, but yeah, on track. Uh, moving in the direction that uh, that she is accustomed to, and uh, and by May having it doing uh, much more what she wants, but that's a that's a tough thing uh, if you if you're uh, not hitting the ball, and uh, you, you just have to find a way to uh, manufacture some runs better than they have so far. And one of the questions I keep getting uh, from fans or from some fans is what's wrong with uh, pitcher Megan Bobian, who had, as we know, a monster freshman season. She started slow, but she's been strong the last two weekends. And this team really, I think, John, has more pitching depth than it's had in quite a while. And I just have a a hunch, as you said, (laughs) with Coach Hutchins, it's all going to come around as the weather warms up. Yeah, that would would be the case. Um, But again, I mean... (laughs) You know they've they've played in some some decently warm weather. It's uh, you know playing in the south, but uh, I think it's more a case of okay, uh, getting your feet under you. Uh, you've uh, taken some hard knocks. We'll see what happens here in the days to come. But uh, you, you're talking about uh, Megan Bobian, such incredibly dominant stats mm-hmm. a year ago. And she's been, you know, touched up a little bit more than uh, and than she's certainly accustomed to. Whatever that is, and uh, obviously they haven't been playing around here, and uh, we haven't uh, seen them in person yet. But I'm I expect that she'll be able to find that groove as uh, as this season goes along. Well, for everyone that is sick of winter, you can get a taste of spring this weekend. Michigan opens at home against uh, Kent State softball. Weather forecast isn't great, but hey, we've seen worse uh, in Michigan in March. Baseball also opens at home this weekend, John. Number 16, Michigan baseball. They are 9-4 and four right now, and they've, they put up some Ws against some pretty good teams. Uh, no doubt about it. There's their start has been extremely solid, and uh, you know when they go south and and uh, play, it's uh, or west. I mean, you you beat UCLA, which was uh, number two at the time. That's you've done something, and that's you know that's scoring some runs. Won a a seven five game there. I think uh, this team has has got some great things to look forward to. So. 
very, very solid start out of this unit and uh, you know, good things expected ahead. Well, a final question, John. We haven't talked about football at all. I think everything's been pretty quiet on the football scene after the uh, the coaching hires earlier in the year, but spring practice getting underway in the next couple of weeks, and it'll be fun uh, to see what happens, but I think from a media and a fan perspective, we aren't going to find out much at all, are we? No, I, I don't think you will find out uh, tactically very much. What happens, though, is you start to see, okay, who is going to emerge to uh, replace some of these guys because you got hit pretty hard on the defense. When you lose a Devin Bush in the middle of that defense, there has to be somebody that's going to step up. Okay, is it going to be a Josh Ross that steps into the middle of that defense and, and takes charge? Is it, uh, you know, how, how do you replace all those guys up front and how will the coaching staffs do things differently? Certainly the biggest thing that everybody's going to be looking for and, and won't know as much as they want to by the end of the spring is what impact Josh Gaddis has, the new offensive coordinator, and what he's going to put out there. And I don't think that that's where you have some of the subterfuge come in and you're not going to see as much in terms of what they really want to do. But I think we can get a feel for, you know, as, as word leaks out of the, out of the submarine at times <laughs> what we might hear or what people are seeing from the way he um, goes about his business and the impact that he has, because this is uh, again, a second straight year where there has been a, a big offensive overhaul and uh, people are very anxious to see uh, a, like I said, personnel wise, what is going on, but B, okay, what's going to be the Josh Gaddis effect? Well, as uh, we've touched on, there's a lot happening on the Michigan athletic scene. We'll have more time for football in, in the next month or so, but uh, hoops uh, later this week with the Big Ten tournament, just a lot going on. And our guest today has uh, been editor John Borton from the Wolverine. John, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and we look forward to our next visit soon. I appreciate it, Mike. You always do a great job. Thanks. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man. On Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Iggy Brozdakis was chosen Freshman of the Year in the Big Ten, and he made the second team. Xavier Simpson joined Iggy on the second team and was picked as a member of the all-defensive team, only the third Wolverine to receive that honor. John Teske, Jordan Poole, and Charles Matthews were all voted honorable mention. Kim barnes Rico and her team were so close to beating number 8 Maryland in Saturday's Big Ten semis, but fell 73-72 in heartbreaking fashion, as you heard John and I discuss earlier. Now they wait and see if they've done enough to get an NCAA berth. The selection show will be next Monday evening. They end the regular season fourth in the Big Ten with an overall record of 21-11, and 11-7 in conference play. They are really peaking right now, so let's hope they make it into the ladies' NCAA and they deserve to be there. Hockey season is over. 
They fell to Minnesota in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, which is a best two of three. That ended a disappointing season with an overall 13-16-7 mark, 9-10-5 in the Big Ten. They were a very young team, and my gut tells me Coach Pearson will have them back in the thick of things next year in the Big Ten, and yes, nationally. Softball is off to a shaky 12-10 start, but they're still ranked number 25. They won 3-5 of over the weekend in the ASU Invitational. They picked up wins over host Arizona State, Lehigh, and New Mexico State, while losing to James Madison and South Dakota. I, for one, am not worried about this team. Megan Bobian is one of the best pitchers in college softball, period, despite some of her early struggles, and we have some very good depth behind her in the circle. We just have to get those bats going, and I think we will. We open the home portion of the schedule this weekend with three against Kent State. Number 16 baseball also opens at home this weekend with four against Manhattan. They have beaten some pretty good teams to open the season, including number two UCLA last weekend out in the Dodger Stadium Classic. They are 9-4 and four to start the year, and they are really getting some good pitching. A reminder that if you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on the program. It really does help us. We're in for quite a week. The Big Ten Tournament gets underway on Wednesday, and it should be five days of must-see hoops. By this time next week, we'll know where we're going to be in the Big Dance, and let's hope we're in for another great run from Coach Beeline and his team. That will do it for now, though. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!